Hello, welcome back to the perfect puzzle. We are in beginning the study of the book of Revelation, and uh, I hope you'll stick around because it's going to really get interesting. Uh, we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll jump right in. Oh, Father, we thank you so much again for the gift of your Son. We ask his intercession, Lord, in our learning. And that your Holy Spirit, Father, would guide us in that learning. Help us come to more full understanding of your Son, the work of your Spirit, the work of, of you, Father. We ask you to guide us and keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we were just, we're in the middle of a general introduction to this book. Uh, last time we finished, we were talking about what you know several problems with uh, taking the book of Revelation as not being literal because if you do you're going to run into a lot of problems in understanding the Bible uh, but uh, let's just jump back in I want to give you some facts about Revelation that you may not have ever noticed you know the book of Revelation just demonstrates an heptatic structure in other words groups of sevens there are seven churches there are seven seals seven trumpets seven bowls seven lampstands seven spirits and seven stars seven lamps there are seven title pairs there are seven promises to the overcomer there are seven horns seven eyes and seven angels. There's seven thunders. There's seven thousand. There's seven heads. There's seven crowns. There are seven plagues. It speaks of seven mountains and seven kings. There's seven beatitudes. First one is in chapter one, verse three. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear and keep these things. The second one is in chapter. Uh, Revelation 14:13, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Then we move on to, Revel to chapter 16, verse 15. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments. We move on to cha uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 9. Blessed are they who are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then uh, chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. Chapter 22, verse 7, Blessed is he that keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. And then there's uh, chapter 22, verse 14, Blessed are they that wash their robes. There are even more subtle sevens. There are seven features in chapter 1. There are seven letters to seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. There are seven persons or personages in chapters 12 and 13. There's the woman. There's the man-child, there's the red dragon, there's the seven-headed beast, there's the false prophet, the angel Michael, and the lamb. There are seven years of judgment. There are seven I am's of Christ. There are seven doxologies in heaven. And there are seven new things in chapters 20 and 21. And there's a whole lot more, but I'm going to leave that for you to find for yourself. I think I've given you enough. Now. If you are a uh, Protestant, you probably 
speak of yourself as being saved. In other words, you're, before you were a Christian, you were a pagan, but then you got saved by Christ, and now you have eternal life with Christ. But in speaking of being saved, you need to recognize there are three tenses of being saved. We have been saved from the penalty of sin, positionally, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. That's called justification salvation. Then uh, in Romans chapter 6, we are being saved from the power of sin, operationally by the Holy Spirit, moment by moment. That's called sanctification. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, you know, we shall be saved from the presence of sin. That's called the redemption of our body. Now, we're going to see types come to play in the book of Revelation. Uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 22, Abraham and Isaac, Abraham's offering of, of his son, which typifies Christ being offered by his, by his father, just as Isaac was offered by his father. We're going to see Nebuchadnezzar's image in Daniel chapter 3. We're going to see a type of redemption of the land from the book of Ruth. Uh, Joshua, the book, whole book of Joshua actually is a model of the book of Revelation. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about the tabernacle in the book of Exodus. Then we're going to see some idioms. Friend of God. That's Abraham and the disciples. Dearly beloved. Daniel and John. We're going to talk about taking the whole counsel of God. Christ is at the center. Make sure the word of prophecy. You know, the Bible tells us to search the scriptures. They are they which testify of me. John 5, 39. Psalm 40, verse 7, says the volume of the book is written of me. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, according to Revelation 19.10. Thy kingdom come, Matthew 6, verse 10. We're going to cover all those idioms. Uh, we're going to talk about things like, I was in the spirit. We're going to talk about what the day of the Lord is. Uh, John speaking of that in uh, chapter 1 verse 10 we're going to talk about being caught up to the throne in heaven in chapter 4 verse 2 we're going to talk about the woman being carried away in the wilderness chapter 17 verse 3 we're going to talk about being carried to a mountain chapter 21 verse 10 we're going to talk about thunders, voices, lightnings and an earthquake in Revelation chapter 4 verse 5 we're going to talk about the seal judgments, the trumpet, and the bowls. Then we're going to talk about the doxologies, glory, dominion, glory, honor, and power, blessing, honor, glory, and power, uh, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. Did you notice as I said those that there were seven of them? That's Revelation chapter 7 verse 12. We're going to talk about worshiping of God. Holy, holy, holy. Chapter 4, verse 8. Worthy art thou. Chapter 4, verse 11. Unto him that sitteth. Chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. Salvation to our God. Chapter 7, verses 9 to 12. 
Amen and Blessing. The Kingdoms of the World, Chapter 11. Great and Marvelous. There are four hallelujahs in Chapter 19, Verses 1 to 8. We're going to talk about things being out of place. Israel being out of the land, as versus Israel being in the land. Being in the church versus being in heaven. We're going to talk about a lamb. And a lamb owns a throne. We're going to talk about Satan and Satan bound. We're going to talk about creation versus redemption. Now, what is redemption? Redemption is restoration of that which was lost to the original owner. We can read about redemption in Luke 21:28, Romans 8:23, Galatians 3:13, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14, Daniel chapter 8 verse 26, and Daniel chapter 12 verses 4 and 9. And we're going to, you know, I want to say this concerning redemption. Let's take a look at the space allocated in scripture. Creation versus redemption. You know, we think of creation as being this great work of God. But did you know there's only two chapters in Genesis that are dedicated to the book uh, creation? A few of the Psalms. There's a few chapters in the book of Job. And in the book of Isaiah, there's a few chapters. But let's look look at redemption. You take out the first two chapters in Genesis, the whole book is about redemption. Exodus is a redemption of the people. Leviticus, Joshua, Ruth, all of the prophets, all four of the Gospels, all of the letters of in the New Testament are about redemption. Then you have the book of Revelation. They talk about the price of creation versus the price of redemption. Because in creation, you know, God breathed from his nostrils and created man. But what about redemption? Redemption cost God his son. In Genesis, we have the beginning of creation. Revelation, we have redemption and completion. In Genesis, earth is created. In Revelation, the earth passes away. We have the earth's government in Genesis 37. We have the earth's judgment in Revelation 16. We have the sun to govern the day in Genesis. We have no need of the sun in Revelation uh, chapter 21. The darkness is called night in chapter 1 verse 5. There's no night there in Revelation 22.5. The waters he calls seas in chapter 1, verse 10. There's no more sea. Chapter 21, verse 1 of Revelation. You have a river for earth's blessing, chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. In chapter 22 of Revelation, you have a river for new earth. In uh, Genesis, you have man in God's image, chapter 1, verse 26. And in Revelation, chapter 13, you have man headed by Satan's image. Entrance of sin in Genesis 3. End of sin in Revelation 21 and 22. We have the curse pronounced by God in Genesis chapter 3. 
There's no more curse. Genesis 20, uh, Revelation 22, 3. Death entered in in chapter 3, verse 19. There's no more death. Chapter Revelation 21, 4. The cherubim are men- first mentioned in chapter uh, Genesis 3:24. You get their final mention in Ch- Revelation 19, verse 4. Man is driven out of Eden in chapter uh, Reve- in Genesis 3. Man is restored in Revelation chapter 22. The tree of life is guarded from mankind entering. Genesis 3 verse 24. We have access to the tree of life in Revelation 22:14. In Genesis 3:17, we have sorrow and suffering enter again. There's no more sorrow in Revelation 22:4. Religion, art, and science are separated from God. It's judged and destroyed in Revelation 18. Nimrod founds Babylon, Genesis 10, 8 through 10. Babylon falls in Revelation 17, 18. God sends a flood to destroy the evil generation in Genesis 6 to 9. Revelation chapter 12, you have Satan's flood to destroy the elect generation. You have a uh, a bow given by God in his promise, Genesis 9.13. You have a bow for remembrance in Revelation 4.3 and Revelation 10.1. You have Sodom and Egypt, symbolizing corruption and judgment, Genesis 13 and Genesis 19. You have Sodom and Egypt, Revelation chapter, Revelation 11.8. You have a a confederation against Abraham's people in Genesis 14. You have Abraham's seed in Revelation 12. You have a bride for Abraham's son, Genesis 24. You have a bride for Abraham's seed, Revelation 19. You have a marriage of the first Adam, Genesis chapter 2. You have a marriage of the last Adam in Revelation 19. You have the promised seed who will possess the gate of the enemies in Genesis 29.8. You have the promised seed possessing the gate of the enemies in Revelation 19. You have man's dominion ceased and Satan's begun in Genesis 3.24. In Revelation 22, Satan's domain is ended and man's domain is restored. We see the Bible is one integrated design. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. And when we look at just the prophetic scriptures, there are 8,362 predictive verses and 1,817 direct predictions. And all of those pertain to a total of 737 different separate matters. There are the major prophetic themes in the scripture are Israel, Jerusalem, the temple, Babylon, you have Russia, Magog in the book of Ezekiel, which is Russia, you have the rise of China, you have a European super state, you have an ecumenical religion, global government, and rise of the occult. And our challenge is that we are being plunged 
into a period of time that the Bible says more about than any other period in history, including the time when Jesus walked the shores of Galilee and climbed the mountains of Judea. And the ultimate issue is that we are in possession of a message of extraterrestrial origin that portrays us as objects of an unseen warfare. And our eternal destiny depends upon our relationship with the ultimate victor in this cosmic conflict. And the question for you is, where do you stand with respect to him? So let me give you some pointers on how to study your Bible. You must spend time in prayer and building your relationship with the author of the Bible. You've got to let go of any presuppositions you may have. Take notes. Turn those notes into your secret journal. Use Bible helps. Get some exegetical and expositional commentaries. Okay? Then when you jump in, you'll be ready to write down what God reveals to you through the Holy Spirit. And he will. Now we're, you know, in Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Let me give you something to think about, for instance. Just exactly what are those seven spirits? Are they angels? Because let's... Look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Some say this is referring to angels, seven special ones. You know, angels appear 74 times and are mentioned. 104 times in the New Testament. Nine times we see these seven special ones. Now, when we see the vision in chapter 1, we're going to see seven features. Hair and head, which refer back to Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. We're going to see eyes. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. Hebrews 4, 13. We're going to see flame of fire. That's referred to by Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.13. It's also in Malachi 3.2. We're going to see feet mentioned. Feet symbolizes your walk as a Christian. We're going to see your brass, which is, symbolizes judgment. You have the brazen serpent in Numbers chapter 21. We have the voice of many waters. Referring back to, you could refer to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 24. Ezekiel 43, 2. Daniel chapter 10, verse 6. Speaks of his right hand. Seven stars. Lampstands in the midst in his hand. We're going to see his mouth. A two-edged sword. Hebrews 4, 12. Ephesians 6, 17. Isaiah 49, 2. He judges the unbeliever. Referred to in John chapter 12, verse 48. Earth is, earth is smitten. I, 
speaking of in Isaiah 11.4. Antichrist consumed, 2 Thessalonians 2.8. His countenance is as the sun, refer to Matthew 17. You know, you have the divine outline of this book given. Write the things which you have seen, as I said in the last uh, in our last session. That's the vision of Christ in chapter one. The things which are that's the seven churches in chapters two and three. Then you have the things which shall be hereafter, that which follows after the churches. That's in chapters four through twenty-two. If, you know, the keys to this book are self-contained. They're referred to somewhere else in the Bible. You know, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand is seven golden lampstands. Christ tells us what they are. Seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now, the seven churches, the things that are, why these seven? Why not Jerusalem? Why not church in Antioch or church in Rome or Lystra or Iconium? He that has an ear. Now, you find that phrase seven times. Try to understand what's going on in this book as, as we go through it. You know? These churches were actual churches. They were local. The messages to them are admonishments. Each message applies to all seven of them to some extent. They're homiletic. He that has an ear. That applies to us because we have ears. They're prophetic. You know, in the, their particular order, those seven churches lay out the history of the church. We're going to talk about that. And they fill a gap that's implied in Daniel 9.26 and a gap that's between in Revelation 12.5 and Revelation 12.6. Now there's seven design elements in each of the, each of the letters. There's the name of the church. There's the title of Christ chosen. There's a commendation, there's a concern, there's an exhortation, there's a promise to the overcomer, and there's he that has an ear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, before you listen to the next session, I don't know how soon I'm going to get it uploaded for you, read this book, read the book of Revelation, and examine carefully chapter 1. List the various identities that are in chapter 1. What do the lampstands represent? There's seven of them. List some of the churches that were not included among the seven. Think about why did Christ choose these seven to address? Okay, that's your assignment. And until next time, this is the perfect puzzle. Thank you.